to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priest to God his Father, to him be the glory and the power forever. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this Reformation Sunday is our gospel today, John 8, 31-36, as printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you would think that achieving fame and fortune would put you into a position where you can be free to do pretty much whatever you want, whenever you want. But maybe not. Lady Gaga, one of the decade's biggest pop stars, just tweeted this week, fame is prison. Everybody wants more, wants the ability to do whatever, whenever. Everybody wants to be free. But there is a lot of confusion about what freedom really is and who really is and isn't free. Ask your friends or neighbors or even strangers on the street, are you free? And unless they want to complain about their jobs or bad relationships, they will probably say, of course we're free. We're Americans. We fought big wars to have become free and to set others free. They might also point to things like modern medicine and science and and technological advancements and and talk about how those things have, have helped set us free from disease, from catastrophe, from subsistence-level farming, and and the drudgery of all sorts of tasks that we now have machines or computers to handle for us. And of course, some would say, free? We are more free now than anyone has ever been. Sure, it's been a long time since we've been anybody's serfs or slaves, but, but now... Oh, now we have managed to shake off the shackles of of backwards morality, sexism, and, and outmoded standards and expectations of behavior, and the obligation of treating people who disagree with us as though their opinions matter. We are free to do what we want with whomever we want and call it and call ourselves whatever we like without any rules or restrictions to restrain us. So all that progress, has it really made people more free? Because it's amazing how much pressure there is today to only speak up if you have the right opinions. And it's amazing how all that extra money that we have now in this great economy and in this advanced society, all that money must be spent on the things that society and our peers and advertisers tell us we have to have. And it's amazing how much the technology that is supposed to free us from drudgery has robbed generations of the ability to do things independently. The freedom from wires for our phones and computers has anchored users to always-on email, news, and texts. 
and the ability to interact with thousands through social media has become a never-satisfied addiction to likes, to the latest, to retweets, and to outrage. So, we are not as free as we think, or as we want to think. And few people really see it. Not many see things as they really are. Actually, we can say it even stronger than that. We are all naturally blind to the reality of our lack of freedom. It is a deep, deep problem in human nature. So this is not at all unique to our modern age. It was a major obstacle that Martin Luther had to deal with. And our Gospel reading today shows us Jesus dealing with it in His adversaries among His fellow Jews. Right after He tells those who have put their trust in Him that the truth will set you free, those who have not put their trust in Him object. We've never been anyone's slaves. What do we need to be set free from? Jesus answers them, assuring them twice that what He's telling is the absolute truth. You are slaves. Slaves to sin. And the only one who can set you free from that slavery is the Son. But in rejecting Him, rejecting Me, you reject freedom. Now this is really only the beginning of a much longer exchange between Jesus and His unbelieving adversaries. But it tells us what we need to know on this Reformation Sunday. It doesn't matter how great a family you have. It doesn't matter how good you think you are at living a moral life or obeying God's laws. And it doesn't matter how sincerely you believe whatever it is you believe about God or His obligations to you. If you sin, you are a sinner. If you are a sinner, you are a slave to sin. And we all sin. You can't help doing it. You can't escape its guilt. And it stays with you, burdening you, staining you, corrupting you, weighing you down, twisting you up and turning you around and keeping you from being the perfectly obedient child of God that you may aspire to, but that your Creator most definitely demands of you. Sure, You may find ways of convincing yourself that the things you do are all the right things because you're the one doing them. Or you may try to cast your offenses against God as mere mistakes or or oversights that He couldn't possibly care about. But in the end, it makes no difference how you want to think about them. It's only God's view of your sins that matters. Because He is the lawmaker and He is the judge. And in our natural, unbelieving state, He judges each and every one of us a sinner. Guilty, not just of a couple random acts of or indiscretions, but guilty of offending against His entire law 
every commandment and in every way choosing our own will over His. His verdict on this is as clear, is as clear now as it was when He gave it to Adam in the Garden of Eden. The price of sin, of any and every and all disobedience, is death. And death is not just the end of physical life. It is an eternal separation from the love and care of the Creator in a place called hell. And when we do the next thing that comes naturally to us, we determine that we should be able to solve this problem on our own. So we look at God's laws the very same ones that convict us of our sin because we cannot obey them. And then we say, well, if I obey those, then the Lord will like me and everything will be okay. And so we put our trust in our efforts to avoid lying, to be faithful to our spouses, to to not give in to the desire to murder people who annoy us, and to doing all the things that show everybody around us how good we are. Just like the self-righteous Jews that Jesus was dealing with. But that is yet another kind of slavery. Because as our reading from Romans 3 reminded us, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law which means that the harder we try to gain His favor by what we do and don't do, the tighter we make our chains. We just cannot work ourselves free through good works, through sacrifices or or acts of penance. This was the problem that haunted and hounded Martin Luther. He knew he was a sinner. And he knew all too well that the wages of sin is death. He was terrified of God. And looking at the cross of Christ only increased his guilt and dread because he understood the role of his own sins in putting Jesus there. Luther understood that God's law demanded righteousness, but no matter how hard he worked at it, He knew he could never achieve the perfect obedience and perfect sinlessness that the law demanded. And then the Holy Spirit broke through. Broke through the clouds of his despair with the freeing message of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He finally saw the good news in the words of Scripture. The ones that told him When Christ died on the cross for his sins, he washed all those sins away for good and forever. There was nothing left for Luther to do to pay for them. And the righteousness of God? Well, that was not something Luther needed to achieve, but something the Lord graciously gives away gives away at no cost for the sake of Christ. Everything that Martin Luther needed, he found in the Gospel. His slavery was ended, and his freedom began. And of course, he couldn't keep such good news and freedom to himself. He taught 
He preached, he published, he debated, he composed, and he translated all to get the word out to as many as possible who, who were still caught up in slavery to sin and to the law. And today is the day that we give thanks to God for, for what he accomplished through Luther in the Reformation because it was through his work that we also now stand free. Our sins forgiven for Christ's sake and the restraints of self-righteousness cast away. This is the truth that sets us free. That verse, you also will know the truth and the truth will set you free, has been misused and misappropriated over the years to suggest that any kind of knowledge brings freedom. But what Jesus is promising here applies only to the gospel. That the good news of our salvation in Christ, free and full, releases us from our bondage to sin, death, and the devil, and from our futile striving to make ourselves good before God. This, of course, is why we hold on so tight to the Scriptures as the inspired Word of God and as the only authority when it comes to matters of faith and life. Because any time that the Scriptures are broken, corrupted, amended, or added to, the chains return. Only God's truth sets you free. Human judgment, because it is stained by sin, always does the opposite. So we remain in Christ's Word, just as Jesus told us His disciples do. But let's be clear that these are not just abstract, academic, or philosophical ideas that we're talking about. The freedom we have in Christ through the gospel that we receive in the word and in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, that freedom makes a difference for every one of us every day. It is real, and it is real important. Think of everything that this truth has given us. A righteousness from God, not from ourselves. Salvation that is both full and free. Abundant, undeserved mercy. Forgiveness for every sin. An authority in Scripture that is always reliable, objective, and unchanging because it is the Word of God Himself. And peace and love in abundance forever. That, that is more than enough to bring us to celebrate every day what was found again and passed down to us in the Reformation. But there is something more. A further freedom. Because through the Holy Spirit's gift of faith, you have been given a new identity in Christ and a new place in the body of Christ, a, a permanent place in the family of God, you are now free 
to be yourself. The world and your sinful nature tell you that, that you can only really be free by, by giving in to your desires and urges and living the way you want without any input from God and His Word. But that is a lie. That is slavery to your passions and to death and to the devil. But as a new creature in Christ, living for the One who died and rose for you instead of for yourself, you are truly free. Sure, you, you still have responsibilities and, and obligations, but now you choose them freely and you find both joy and purpose in fulfilling your various callings. This now is what you want. And you are no longer controlled by the culture or, or pressured by your peers. You can stand firm in your faith and stand unyielding on the truth of the Word of God. And since you are freed from sin's control, you can now choose what's right instead of always defaulting to what is wrong. You are free to choose patience instead of anger, a relationship instead of pornography, productivity instead of waste, understanding instead of outrage, forgiveness instead of offense, and love instead of hate. This is the new life under the new covenant that we read about earlier in Jeremiah. For you who believe the truth, this is who you are in Christ. This is who God created you to be. Who Jesus died and rose to make you. And in the Gospel, the Holy Spirit gives you everything you need in order to live as this new person. You have left false freedom behind. You have been set free from your slavery. And the truth of Christ has set you free to be yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Please rise. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless in the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all time, now and to all eternity. Amen.